Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 48 of the No Huddle Show. Right here on NJ.com, I'm Joe Giglio, joined by Elliot Shore Parks and Mark Eckel. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. They were at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. We're doing this podcast on a Monday after what I don't think anyone saw coming. The Eagles not only beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, they blow the Steelers out 34-3. We are talking about a 3-0 football team, one that might be the most impressive unit in the NFC right now. Um, Elliot, we'll start with you. This was not an intro I expected to do. It wasn't a podcast I expected to do this year. I mean, that was just a beatdown of a team people think could go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I expected to be talking about a win. I did think this was a good spot for the Eagles to get the Steelers in. Um, and when I rewatched the game this morning, I think you could kind of see the Steelers. Look, I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles at all, but the Steelers looked almost disinterested in the second half. And I think part of that is the Eagles were just playing way harder than they were. And I'm not normally a person that says, you know, the kind of uh, sports cliches about a team wanting it more or not giving their all or anything like that. But I just watching the game this morning, it just looked like the Eagles broke the Steelers' will early on. And, you know, in that third quarter, they just kind of railroaded them. Um, do I think the Eagles are, you know, t- 20 or whatever 31 points better than the uh than the uh Steelers no I don't think so but I do think yesterday showed the Eagles the way they're winning in the first two games you know everyone said oh it's the opponent it's the opponent but the way they're winning is going to make them a competitive team all year they're winning with great defense and very good quarterback play and in the NFL if you have those two things you're going to win a lot more games than you're going to lose Yeah, you are. I mean, the numbers are stark here. I mean, they lead the league in points, the fewest points allowed, the best point differential. Uh, Mark, I I know we've talked a lot leading up to this about what the Eagles had done against those first two opponents, the Browns and the Bears, and those teams aren't good, obviously. The Steelers are a good team. How impressive was what you watched on Sunday? One of the most impressive things so far was that Elliott was able to subtract three from 34 and came up with 31. (laughs) He's getting better. Uh, no, it, it's unbelievable. It, that's the only word I could use is unbelievable because nobody, nobody would believe what happened yesterday. If you did, if I wasn't there and didn't see it, if I was out of town or away and I, and you told me the Eagles beat the Steelers 34 to three, I would tell you, come on, you're, 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 you know, tell me the truth now. Stop, stop lying. I, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to mention names, but people that I know that love the Eagles have loved them for a long, long time and are the most diehard fans of I've ever met this week were saying things to me like, you know, we don't have to win this game. And they, and they use the word we, which I think, I know they're speaking French, I guess, but um, you know, as long as we play well, and as long as Carson Wentz plays well, you know, and it's a good game. So no, I mean, it was, it, it's unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, to win would just, if they would have won by one point, it would have been a great win, but to win by 31 and, and like Elliot said, just, you know, yeah, the Steelers, I noticed it during the game. I mean, the Steelers wanted, just wanted to go home by the middle of the third quarter. After Sproles' touchdown, that was it. They, the Steelers said, all right, we're done. Let's, well, who, who, who do we have next? It certainly looked like that. I mean, the, the, the way you guys described them, in the second half of that game, the Eagles' defense is flying around, and it just looked like the Steelers are sitting there like, you know, can we get out of here, and can we just move on to next week? And, you know, Elliot, Mark just mentioned there how much they're winning by and the way they're winning these games. You, and when you see teams start seasons like this, they usually are really good football teams. I mean, the Eagles have won each of their first three games by more than two touchdowns. They're not squeaking these wins by. They are blowing these teams out. I mean, it's one thing to start 3-0, and but 
this that might be the most surprising part about all this. These aren't just wins. I mean, the Eagles are dominating these football games, Elliot. Yeah, I mean, they have a point differential, I think, of plus 64 through the first three games. And, and the second second place with that is the Patriots was plus, was with plus 36. So, I mean, they're just absolutely killing these teams. Now, look, I mean, the first two games are what they are. Those are not good teams. The Steelers, though, are a very good team. And I think at this point, I wrote it after the game yesterday, if the Eagles don't make the playoffs at this point, I think you have to consider that disappointing. I mean, they have the, they have the defense. They have the quarterback. And I know before the season, no one thought this team would be good. But you know what? We've seen them play three times now. So if we want to, you know, we can't hang on to the preseason predictions for too long. I mean, when you just look at this team play, they're getting, they're, they have great coaching through three games. Whether Doug Peterson will end up to be a great coach, I don't know. Um, but they have great coaching through three games. And they have, you know, a great defense. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I was thinking about this last night on the uh, drive back from the stadium. If we, would, if we would have been rec- recording this podcast two games into the chip era when they were 2-0 and and um, they were coming off the win of Washington, and then, or maybe they were 1-1 actually, sorry. But whatever, my point was early on, or even after Chip's first season, you know, you couldn't have convinced me Chip wasn't going to win a Super Bowl. So obviously, you know, that didn't end up happening. Clearly with what's going on with this team, who knows where it'll end up. But I look at right after the game, I think this is a playoff team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know. I don't think they'll. I don't know if they'll win a game or not, but I think they're good enough to be a playoff team, barring you know catastrophic injuries or, or a complete collapse. Yeah, it is hard not to say that. Hard not to feel that. Hard not to see it right now when you look at this team. I mean, every team that started off a season like this uh, since 1990, which they when they redid the playoff format, that's won the first three games by 14 or more points, has made the playoffs every single one. Mark, do you think, along with Elliot, it's time to recalibrate expectations here after this start? Well, nobody was, um, I don't think anybody was less optimistic than I was about this season. And that's what makes, you know, that's why you play games, right? That's why you don't just pick it and then say, okay, put New England and Green Bay in a Super Bowl or whatever, right? I mean, um, and, there, you know, my my pessimism was based off the fact that the Eagles were going into the season with a rookie quarterback who from a, from North Dakota state, not, a, not even a rookie quarterback from, you know, Alabama or, or Notre Dame or Stanford or anything like, you know, from North Dakota state with a head coach whose only head coaching experience came at, at a high school. So, and, and, and I wasn't damning them forever. I wasn't saying Doug Peterson will never be a good head coach or Carson Wentz will never be a good quarterback. I mean, obviously, Carson Wentz was the number two pick in the draft for a reason. But even the people that that liked Carson Wentz, including the Eagles, who liked him enough to trade up to get him, wasn't planning on him playing this year. So, I mean, anyone who thought this team wasn't going to be good, and that's most people, was based off, it's going to take time. You know, you can't expect Carson Wentz to go out and, and play great from day one and you can't expect Doug Peterson to be come in walk right in and be a good head coach from day one they're going to have their growing pains they're going to they're going to you know trial by error here and there they're going to lose some games because of mistakes by the quarterback because of mistakes by the head coach and then by the end of the year they may be a little better than they were at the at the start of the year and then going forward let's see what happens well we were all wrong because Carson Wentz has been unbelievable from day one. And Doug Peterson has been unbelievable from, from day one. So everything we thought was, was wrong. I mean, and we were, and so you, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing. I've never, in all my years, I've never seen two 
more inexperienced people at the most important positions come out so strong. No, I haven't either. I mean, this you have to go way back to find anyone, maybe really never, when you add it all together, especially Wentz. And, and we have to talk about him, obviously, because of what he's been able to do, how he's been able to do it. Elliot, a few minutes ago, you mentioned the pass to Darren Sproles up the right sideline where he scrambled out of the pocket, pressure right up the middle, moved to the right, bought time, found Sproles down the sideline, and Sproles did the rest there. And I thought that was the play. You talk about maybe one play that broke the Steelers' spirit or ended the game. It was 13-3. It was third and long. You know, if the Eagles get stopped there, there's a good chance the Steelers maybe score in the next possession or, you know, maybe the game changes. But no, it's all of a sudden 20-3 to and the game's over. And I mean, we could, it just feels like we're running out of superlatives on Wentz. It's been three weeks. The kid's just un, – it's unreal what we're seeing. Yeah, and I mean, that play really, to me, I think that was his best play of the season. I think just because it, it showed everything that has made him so special the first three weeks, which is, you know, he, there's pressure in his face. He uses his, uh, you know, athleticism to get out of it. I mean, how many quarterbacks there, veteran or rookie, just take off? You know what I mean? Just just run, you know, even though it's third and 13, the play's broken, they just take off. But not only, you know, he moved and then he was aware of where the line of scrimmage was. He kind of hovered around it for a little bit, waited for Sproles to get open, and then just put an absolutely perfect touch pass. You know, I mean, obviously Sproles was open, but that's not a super easy pass. I mean, you know, you're you're on the move a little bit. Sproles is going down the sideline. It's a it's a pass he should make, but my point is he he threw it perfectly. I think that was the play that really showed why there's a ton of reason to be optimist, optimistic about Carson Wentz is because he's not beating these teams like, uh, you know, his throws aren't lucky. I mean, w- what he's doing is the result of, you know, film study, I would say, but also just he's a smart football guy. I mean, a few weeks ago when Frank Reich said, uh, you know, he's talking about Carson Wentz and he said, Wentz is smart, smart. I mean, everyone kind of laughed at it, but it's showing. It's showing up in the way he plays. I mean, he has, me and Mark were talking about this yesterday in the press box. Not only does he not have an interception this year, he hasn't even come close to throwing one. It's not like they've been dropped or he's thrown in double coverage and we're like, ooh. Yesterday, a few times he threw balls that I thought were bad decisions, but they were so high that there was no way anything bad was going to happen. So, I mean, he, he just is, I think, I forget who was on the Steelers, said, you know, he's playing like a Hall of Famer. And obviously that's, you know, the peak of Wentz mania in terms of overreacting. But He's playing really good, and it's not just media members that cover the team. It's not just fans of the team saying this. I mean, everybody has been extremely impressed by what he's done so far. Yeah, they have, of course. I mean, the numbers are off the charts. I mean, his quarterback rating is over 100 for the season, almost 65% completion, uh, no interceptions. Again, yesterday, he's 6-9, and nine, a 136 quarterback rating against the Blitz, and that was the kind of play and, and pressure we saw up the middle on that big play. And and Mark, like Elliot was just saying there, and you alluded to this last week, again, a third game in a row now without a turnover and not re- really even coming close to turning the football over with an, with an interception. And that's, that's the big thing. That's the most to me. And, and I'm not a numbers guy. I've, I've never been – I mean, the numbers that count are wins, and he's 3-0, so that's, that's the number that, that's the most impressive to me. But it's like Elliot said, he doesn't like, – like the year Nick Foles had, or half a year that Nick Foles had when he when he when everybody was going crazy about Nick Foles and rightfully so he threw twenty seven touchdown passes and two interceptions and somebody a non Eagle fan said to me last night, um, yeah yeah I've I've seen this before yeah look at Nick Foles look at the year he had and I'm like it was different it was just different like Foles as Elliot said like you know um, Carson Wentz hasn't done anything where he said oh my like like Foles threw some bad passes that year that yeah safeties dropped. 
or balls that bounced off one guy into Deshaun Jackson's hands. For like a, in that, I think the Green Bay game, right? Yeah, Did he throw it, it up and get Lambo and it just kind of landed in Deshaun's hands? That pass against yeah. the Cardinals. Remember that was called back yeah. that key interception? Yeah. There was a lot of – and taking nothing away from Nick Foles. God God bless Nick Foles. Nice, nice <laughs> guy. I wish him all the best. But I'm just saying, that year, yes, he, hey, the bottom line is it was 27-2. and two. That's all that counts. But watching him, I didn't walk away – every game I'd walked away saying – I, I was more like, man, he's lucky than man, he's good. You know what I'm saying? Here, I'm like, wow, like this, like Elliot said, there's, I have yet to see a pass thrown by Carson Wentz where I said, ooh, what do you do? That that wasn't smart or that wasn't good or not since the preseason. The preseason, he threw his worst pass that went against Tampa Bay. That was a bad decision and a bad throw. But since then, he, you know, he's been flawless in terms of good decisions and, and good throws and doing the right thing. And like Elliot said on that one play, yeah, most guys would have run and that probably would have been the right thing to do. I mean, not the right thing, but no one would have ripped him if he did run. I don't think anybody would have said, oh, why did he run? He could have thrown his ball to sprawls. I mean, running looked like the right, and, and he may have gained the 13 yards even, but he yeah. was he was savvy enough, and that's unbelievable. I'm using the word savvy about a kid who's played three NFL games to, to, to not run and see Sproles and make the throw to him. Let me, I, I have a question for Mark because mm-hmm. I think, you know, he's obviously he's covered the team for a long time. He's seen a lot of good quarterback play come and go quickly. I mean, how excited do you think Eagles fans should be about this guy? Like, I mean, you know, I think you do a pretty good job of staying. No, yeah, I'm, listen, I'm the wait and see guy. I'm the, right, I'm, that's what I'm I mean, the yeah. old man that waiting and then I don't get too excited. No, you have to, if you're an Eagles fan, you have to be, this could be the most, be the, the happiest you've been since, I don't know when. Um, I'd say Donovan because Donovan, but not, Donovan 99 wasn't even playing yet. So yeah. you can't even compare him to Donovan because, and Donovan didn't play great in 99. Look it up. I mean, I, you know, he, like I said before, this is why, this is what I was comparing Carson Wentz to. Yeah, we've never seen anything like this. I no. mean, ever, but whether it be the Eagles or really across the NFL, I think Wentz. I saw this this morning. He joined Mark Sanchez as the only. <laughs> you know, we can laugh, but wait, but wait. He, he joined Mark Sanchez as the only rookie quarterback to start three and zero. Oh, uh, no. but well, it's worth. Sanchez went to two AFC championship games. Exactly, I mean, Ellie, and he oh, went to that yeah, year. His rookie year, to... they were in the AFC title game. So, for yeah, what it's don't, worth, don't, don't don't tell Eagle fans that. Don't don't say Mark Sanchez. God, you just. Killed the whole buzz. No, I know. I hear you. But like Elliot said, they went to the AFC title game that year, and the numbers aren't even comparable. Like, that was you know, it was Sanchez along for the ride, handing the ball off. This, the numbers, Wentz's are so yeah, much right. better than Sanchez's so, were. So you I, have that. What, what did Brady – I mean, Brady didn't start the season. I don't it was week Brady. two, I think, that um, – who was it? Mo Lewis knocked out uh, Drew Bledsoe. Bledsoe, yeah. That team was – I mean, that was a good team before Brady went in. They were on – I mean, they were playing well. Bledsoe was playing well. Um, but, I mean, I, you know, like I was starting to say about Donovan, like – and even Rand, I covered Randall and Donovan, every one of both of their games as Eagles. And you saw flashes, obviously, as when they were rookies. You said – you saw plays they made both in – back then we were allowed to watch practice. So both in practice and in games, you saw things that made you say, oh, this guy's going to be pretty good. But you also saw rookie mistakes. You saw Donovan made some bad throws. He made some bad decisions as a rookie. Randall, Randall made a ton of bad decisions. Randall would have run. Randall just, his rookie year, he, you know, it was like, look up, nobody, boom, run. I mean, 
that's that's what he did. I mean, that he he had to learn how to how to not just want to take off and use his legs and and be more you know pocket savvy and 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 use his arm. Um, this kid, I mean, like I said, it's unbelievable. That's the only word I could use is unbelievable to me. How mature? How you know? Doug said it a couple of weeks ago, and again, we kind of laughed a little bit when he said he's like a nine or ten year veteran. He, yeah, he is. And what's 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 crazy too is like you know we we talked about this with Foles a little bit, but it's not like he's sitting back. It's not like he's scrambling all around and you know dodging guys and spinning and like he's just kind of sitting back in the pocket and picking these teams apart. I mean, I know the Sproles play we talked about, he got out of the pocket, but you know. There's just been nothing lucky about it. And that, to me, is the weirdest part. Like, you know, you talk about, all right, you know, all right, that was a big win yesterday, but now what's going to happen going forward? Even though I think you, you tweeted this, almost every team that started 3-0 and since 1990 has made the playoffs or something like that. I mean, like, the chances are this team's going to the playoffs. So you kind of say, like, well, what, what's realistic to expect and, you know, what do you think going forward? But they're winning in a way that is maintain- is sustainable. And I think that's what's most surprising is, um, you know, I remember like a few years ago when the Sixers started out three and zero, which is obviously a much smaller sample size. Everyone was like, "All right, well, this clearly isn't going to last. They're a bad team." The Eagles are winning in a way where you could see them continuing to win. I mean, these aren't fluky wins, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're not. I mean, if you close your eyes, if you didn't know what was going on here, if you didn't know that Doug was a rookie coach and Carson was a rookie quarterback and this team was a disaster last year in a lot of areas, you, if you just stumbled into Philadelphia. You'd be like this team's this, this team's a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they're they're as good as any team playing these first three weeks. I mean, obviously there's more to it. And there's a lot of season left, but that's there. I want to ask you guys, especially just your perception and what you hear from the other players in the locker room. Um, you know, when the season started, when they moved away from Bradford to Wentz, the first thing I thought of was, well, how do the veterans feel? And I know we talked about they don't have too many of those thirty-something veterans, but you know, it's that idea of playing with a rookie quarterback and there's going to be mistakes. But there's the opposite in that spectrum, right? That if a rookie plays well, he could bring energy, especially at the quarterback position, to everyone. I think I heard Selleck talking last night on Sunday night about you know, how it's kind of just rejuvenated him. I mean, do you guys hear that and see that around the locker room? Elliot, we'll start with you. With, with some of these players, that Wentz's energy and the way he's played has is, is maybe changed the way they feel about playing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole storyline about the season being over because they traded Bradford was extremely overblown. The players in the locker room like Bradford, but I, I never talked to – I maybe talked to one player over the past season that was like, nah, Bradford's really good. Like, they, they liked Bradford, don't get me wrong, and they weren't – you know, they didn't think he was bad. But, I mean, look, the quote from Brandon Graham last week kind of says it all. He, he, you know, he said the quarterback – I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he said something like the quarterback is what we are missing. So I do think that the idea that, that Bradford was one of the reasons that this team wasn't going to win this season, like was one of the reasons this team couldn't compete this season is laughable. And I said it. I said, look, they seem upgraded at quarterback and got a first-round pick for it. So I think players in the locker room recognize how good Wentz is. Um, when you talk to him, even before Wentz went in there, um, you know, they would talk about what he was showing in practice. Um, you know, Zach Ertz said back in during the first OTAs when he'd only practiced Wentz two or three times, you know, that when Wentz went in, it was going to be an unbelievable time for this team. And he was right. I mean, you know, I think at the time you could kind of say, oh, he's just saying that to support a teammate. But the players said all offseason that Wentz was really good. The coaches said it. And I think nowadays in sports, when people say positive things on the record, it's kind of like, oh, well, they're just saying that. But they were right. They were dead on. I mean, I, th- I don't think this team ever lost any confidence because Wentz was going in there. No, I agree, Elliot. And and 
you hit it on the head about, I mean, the, the players felt about Sam Bradford the same way, I, well, at least I felt about Sam Bradford. He's a very likable guy. He's a great guy. I wish Sam Bradford nothing but, but success because he's a very good person and he was good for us. But I didn't think the Eagles would ever win a Super Bowl. But I'm, I'm on the record as saying, you know, I, I never thought the Eagles would win a Super Bowl with Sam Bradford as their, as their quarterback. So I think the players kind of thought that too. They, they, they couldn't, they didn't want to say it out loud, but they also didn't want to badmouth Bradford at all because they like him. They, he's a very, he was a very good teammate. He was the kind of guy you like to hang out with and, and, and you wanted him to do well. You just knew that there was limitations to how well he could do. Um, at least up until now. Now look at the Sam Bradford. He's three and zero also. So I mean, who knows? That's going to be a hell of an NFC Championship game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you know we'll see. I, you know I, how I feel about Bradford and the Vikings. But here, here's a question: How do you feel about? Tell me because they're three and zero, and they went into Carolina. No, no they're they're good. I, I'll admit they're and Bradford's played a lot they, better than I thought. Bay and Carolina. Tell me who's. Tell me how you feel about. Them. No, I, I think the Vikings are one of the best teams in the okay. NFC. That's all. And I think they're probably – You said enough. That's what I want to hear. The only two undefeated quarterbacks in the NFC right now are Carson yeah. Wentz and Sam Bradford, which is just, just quite the irony. How, how, how about this? How about this? Better chance of happening with this team. <laughs> they they kind of you know fall apart, and they only end up winning five or six games. So I'll say, I'll say six games. They finish six and ten. Or they play in the NFC championship game. Not, <laughs> not win it, but play <laughs> Or they, they could what I've seen mean, the first three weeks. It's play in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they go. You the, the other answer is they is they go three and ten. Yeah, here on out. Now but, let's, let's. But if you let's, told me that, but if you told me that two weeks ago that this or three weeks oh. ago, this team would go through a three and ten stretch, I mean, I'd be like, <laughs> I would have said I had thought they would. I mean, that was before yeah. yesterday changed everything. Yeah, yesterday changed everything. Beating the Browns didn't change a thing in my mind because I had them. I mean, as bad as I thought they were going to be, I thought they'd beat the Browns. I mean, that, I mean, if I didn't think they were going to beat the Browns, I would have picked them to go 0 and 16. You had to beat the Browns, right? So that that didn't change anything. Beating the Bears, I started thinking a little better about them because the Bears are bad, but I don't care. You go on the road and win on Monday Night Football, I'm impressed. I just am. I, I think that's an impressive thing to do, no matter. Who's playing who? If a road team wins on Monday night, I say, hmm, that, that team showed me a little something. But then to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, I, like I said, we all thought was a top five, top three team in the, in the NFL, um, to shut down that Pittsburgh offense, to put 34 points up against the Steelers defense, yeah, you have to rethink everything you thought. And I, I've, been, I've been thinking a lot since yesterday, and even before yesterday, like, where, where, you know, and we'll see what happens, but where did I go wrong in terms of thinking the team was going to be really bad, right? Like, I mean, a rookie quarterback, I know what mine is. He's well, okay. All right. Go ahead. You can go ahead and I'll tell you what, what mine were. Rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. That's not a recipe for success. Yeah. Well, all right. So what I'm thinking is I, I was high on Wentz. I mean, I didn't think Wentz was going to be the, the problem. And, you know, I, when I, I'm not calling him a problem. I'm just saying rookie quarterbacks don't play like this. Right. No, I know. But, but I'm saying like, I had them at seven wins. I mean, I had I had them at five or six with Bradford, and then with with Wentz, I had them at seven. So now I think seven wins would be a disappointment. I mean, you're not you know we're going four and whatever the rest of the way, right? So or one and whatever. But um, so no four, you had it right. Yeah, yeah, four. My bad. There we go. See my math skills falling back down there. You were doing. You started off so well. I know. Started so well. All right, so but I was gonna say I think one area I really misjudged this team was, was the defense. I 
I thought the defense would be very good, but or it would be good, but I think I focused too much on the depth issues with this team, which could well, end up being a problem. Listen, you know yeah. you didn't because it's a long season. And it is. No attrition, and they've it, been it, lucky so far. They've been it lucky. Is, it is. But I guess what I'm saying is when this team is healthy, this defense is very, very good. I mean, the pass rush is there. The linebackers have played really well. Nigel Bradham has played really well, way better than I think anyone kind of thought outside of Jim Schwartz. The safeties have been good. Cornerback remains an issue, but, I mean, look, they only gave up three points yesterday. So, I mean, how big of an issue could it be? So I think, you know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, we talk about depth. Lane Johnson's suspension is now a much bigger deal. But I I, I overlooked how good this team was when healthy. We all thought he was going to be missing the first 10 games of the season, not the middle 10 games of the season or whenever he's going to get suspended now. So that's that played into it as well, I think. And also, we didn't think six games into the suspension, the games would meet anything at that point. You know what I mean? Like, like you're well, talking about, all right. It was 10. We all, we all assumed he was getting suspended from the opener on. No, but, no, no, but what I'm saying is, so you had them before the season had them winning four or five games. So really, losing Lane Johnson was a major blow and probably and definitely hurt this team, but it wasn't like it was going to take them out the playoffs. I mean, sure. no one, you know, but, but now, I mean, look, the, if everyone talks about Chip's first year, you know, all the offense, all that, blah, blah, blah. One of the reasons Eagles were really good that year is because they had the five offensive linemen play every single snap all season together. And the offensive line has been good so far. I think Wentz has only been sacked four times in three games. So losing Lane Johnson now, when you're talking about a team that is actually going to be competing for the playoffs, and who knows what, maybe they'll be competing for, you know, home field advantage in the first game. I mean, who knows, right? Like, now losing him is a big blow because you're going to have to reshuffle the offensive line and that's going to impact everything. It's going to impact Wentz. It's going to impact the running game and the defense will still be fine. But this offense is, I think they're first in the league right now in points per game. So, you know, losing Johnson now, if you, if you want to talk about reasons this could fall apart, I don't think it'll be Wentz. I don't think it'll be Doug Peterson. I mean, but losing Lane could really end up hurting this team. Let me ask you this, though, since you brought that up, because I was thinking about this. The plan is, and we've known the Eagles have, the Eagles have changed plans a lot already. Right. They? Okay. So, but they their plan isn't always in in you know it's in pencil. I, I think a lot. I think they use a, a number two pencil with a, with a big eraser on the top. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because the plan right now is Alan Barber moves out to right tackle and they put in Wisniewski. It was the original plan was Samalo, but now it's it's was Wisniewski a guard. Would you do that or would you just put a, a, a new right tackle in? I'm going to as in new, Tobin. Would Tobin right. be the guy? I guess. I don't care. Whoever I would just put a new right tackle in. I think I would, too. I don't think I want to move two guys. And some, I mean, you know, Samalo hasn't really practiced. It would be Wisniewski. It wouldn't be Samalo. Yeah, sorry, right. Okay, well, we think. I mean. Well, again, that's the latest plan. Right, yeah. Okay, so Doug so, said again the other day, right now, Samalo's behind, blah, blah, blah. It would, if we have to go right now, it, it would be Wiz. I might go with Tobin, and then honestly, like, you know, I don't know if I mean I don't know who's out there, and anyone that that that, that is out there is still obviously it's not very good if they're unsigned four weeks or three weeks into the season. But I mean I think tackle is a position where you can kind of just plug the guy in a little bit just because he's kind of on an island out there a little. But like I mean I would I agree I don't think I would move Barber out there. I don't I think Barber's you're, weakening, you're weakening yourself at two spots. Exactly. I might just leave it alone. Tobin's played before. He hasn't played great, obviously, but he's played. I might put him out. I might just put Tobin at right tackle and give him help. You know, you have to keep a tight end in to help him sometimes. So, so be it. If the back has to stay around and chip the guy, you know, so be it. But I don't know if I want to make two moves. And the I mean, really well. 
Lane Johnson has been playing at a high level too. So no matter what you do, it's going to be, I mean, barring, you know, Barber. Right. That's what I'm saying. If, yeah. if they do what they're going to do, they're, go, they're not going to be as good at right tackle. Barber, I don't care how well Barber. Barber's not going to be a better right tackle than Lane right. Johnson. Even at his best, he's not going to be better than Lane Johnson. And whoever you put in that left guard isn't going to be as good a left guard as Al Barber is right now. So why not just leave one, all right, leave left guard alone and, and you're still good at left guard and just not be as good at right tackle? I, again, I just, I'm not a coach. I'm not. I'm just looking at it from the outside saying – I'd rather be weak at, weaker at one position than at, than at two. Yeah, it's really – I mean, no matter what they do, they're going to suffer there. And, and to go back to what you said a few minutes ago, Elliot, the defense, it, it's going to fall back on them, right? They're going to have to keep playing at a high level because no matter what the Eagles do, they're going to have some drop-off, you would think, on the offensive line. However, Doug Peterson, you know, goes and, and moves about things over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, with that defense – remember, we had a conversation here maybe a month, month and a half ago on one of the episodes – you know, are people expecting too much out of Jim Schwartz year one, right? Because the Eagles were dreadful on defense last year. Was a lot of it square peg, round hole with the 3-4? A lot of it probably was, right? And the time of possession didn't help because they were on the field all the time. But I don't think any of us, the three of us, expected this to be a top 10 defense right away, first year, off the jump with Jim Schwartz. But, I mean, they're giving up nine points a game for the first three weeks. And the Steelers... They had averaged almost 32 points a game the last 10 regular season games. I mean, that offense was big time coming in here. They only scored three points. I mean, did we not give Schwartz enough credit to what he could do right away? Did we underestimate how good this defense could be off the jump, Elliot? Yeah, I think so. And like I mentioned before, I think I got so wrapped up in looking at the depth on this team that I forgot that the starters, when healthy, are are pretty good. And I I think Bradham has played better than I thought, obviously, but... You know things are going well when I'm already getting questions from fans asking, you know, if Jim Schwartz will be a head coach at this time next season. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, the de- I mean, well, on two, on two reasons. First, I mean, I don't think Jim Schwartz is going to be a head coach again in the NFL. I think people have realized he's going to be a better coordinator. So I, I think – about that, Elliot? Yeah? I you know how teams are they over – I mean, if the Eagles do – if the Eagles do as well as – you know, if they if they get if they will use your scenario, if they get to the NFC Championship game and they get and the defense is ranked wherever in the league, and three or four, he's going to get interviewed. I'm not saying he's going to get a job, but he's going to be on the interview list. Yeah, and that would really be something if next year at this point Schwartz and Dave Fipp are gone. But I mean, you know, to get back to, to get back to to Joe's point, um, I, I didn't think the defense would be this good this quick, and you know, the Steelers probably had the best set of offensive weapons in the league. I know they didn't have Le'Veon Bell, but D'Angelo Williams has been playing really well. So, yeah, I've been blown away by how good the defense has been. Mark, how about you? I mean, the defense on Sunday against the Steelers, they were suffocating. Up front, they were good. Fletcher Cox, um, Benny Logan, obviously doing a great job up front. The pass rush was there. Brandon Graham's been doing a good job. And the safeties, to me... I mean, McLeod was a little bit of an unknown, I think, to a lot of Eagles fans coming over from the Rams. But that safety pairing, along with Malcolm Jenkins, I mean, that's a really good duo they have back there. Well, we knew that I did. I mean, I'm not surprised by the defensive line, and I'm not surprised by the safeties. I thought they had a good defensive line. I mean, we had to think that. I mean, look what they're paying them all. They're, they, they, they better be good, right? I mean, other than Benny Logan, they're all making a ton of money, and Benny will get his next year. So... No, no, I knew the defensive line. I'm not at least a bit surprised there. And the safety. But safety is kind of like, in order for your safeties to have an impact on it, like the whole defense has to be good. You can have great safeties, but if everything else is bad, okay, you got good safeties, big deal. 
I didn't think the linebackers and corners, I thought that's where the weaknesses were going to be and that teams would exploit those weaknesses. Well, Bradham's played a lot better. Hicks has been solid. He hasn't been the Hicks that we saw last year making a ton of big, big plays every week, but he's been very, but he's been around the ball. He's, he's, he's doing what he has to do. And the corners, they give up a couple big plays a game, and, and you say, oh, my God, look at that. Like the one to Sammy Coates, a 41-yard pass to Sammy Coates um, against the Steelers. That was a bad play. But they've been able to compensate for a bad play here or there by coming back on the next three plays and playing well. And the so, other thing, the, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. The other thing that they've done a very good job of is tackling. I mean, yesterday, when I, when I rewatched the uh, the game this morning, there were some situations where the Steelers had a good play call and it was just a one-on-one situation. And if the Eagles would have, you know, missed the tackle, it could have been big plays, especially on third down. But, you know, they, they've done a phenomenal job of simply just, you know, help, you know, stopping a three-yard play from turning into a 13-yard play. And a few years ago, especially during the chip era, tackling was a major problem with this team. Remember, there was all that talk about, you know, do they need more to be more physical and all that. And I don't know if, you know, the week and a half, two weeks of really physical practices they had in training camp helped, but they are a much better tackling team this year well, than they were deep. years ago. I don't see. I don't buy that. Every, I mean, it's different. The guys that are making the tackles aren't. The yeah, same. no, I I agree. I was just saying. I mean, one of the things with Chip is everyone said, oh, they're not practicing physical enough, and they were a poor pack tackling team. And one of the benefits of having hard training camps, at least, is what everyone said was you make your defense more physical. And I do think – and there was a quote last week, actually, from Jordan Hicks that I thought was was perfect. I mean, he was asked, you know, it's the Steelers, it's the Eagles. Do you expect this to be a really physical game? And his quote was, well, I know it will be a physical game because we'll be there. And I think that was just a little insight into what the mindset of this defense is. I mean, you know, it would have been easy to say, yeah, blah, 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 you know, cross-state rivalry, all that. But he was like, no, nah, like we're a physical team. And I think – that's a big difference in the mentality of this defense. And I think Jim Schwartz has a big credit for that. I think Billy Davis got a bit, somewhat a bit of a bad rap. He was not a good defensive coordinator. But just the mentality difference of Davis and Jim Schwartz in terms of the physicalness, I think is clear. And I think you're seeing that in the defense this year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say you're wrong there. But I, they, have, they, have, they have players that I just think, you know, guys like Carrie Williams and Bradley Fletcher and Byron Maxwell and, and go on and on, just weren't physical players. Yeah, I know. I, Who was coaching them? I don't think. And they got rid of those guys because of that, I think. So, I mean, um, they're, yeah, no, they're, their defense is playing great. But like like you said earlier, though, the depth is uh, is still a concern, I think. And they better, you know, they, again, I don't want to, they're 3-0, and they're playing great. That's. But if you look down the road, I think you said earlier, what, what could go wrong? you know, injuries could, could go wrong. That's what yeah. could go wrong. You could say that for any team. Sure. Yeah. Well, some teams have more depth in certain areas than others. I mean, the Eagles are okay at tight end, obviously. They lost Zach Ertz, and who who's Zach Ertz? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, they've gotten through that one. I mean, really. Yeah, and, and I, they think get, that, I thought that was a big loss. No. Me too. I, I thought it would it could come back to haunt them in the Bear game. And they, they got through that without a problem, the Steeler game. So now – Yeah, because are, Burton and Selleck have both played great. They played tremendous, and they're they're just – the offense is just get whatever whoever's open. Ertz, I mean, excuse me, Wentz is finding them the football, and uh, they're making a lot of plays out there. All right, let's look forward here. Uh, the bye week is coming up. It's an early bye, one of the earliest, the earliest bye you can have in the NFL is week four. The Eagles have that. They'll be in Detroit after that. The one thing I see, guys, and maybe give me a thing or two you're thinking about and looking forward with with this team. The first thing that jumps out to me after the bye 
But one, we already touched on Lane Johnson. Likely, probably, you know, he won't be there unless he somehow wins the appeal. But the second thing is just the schedule coming up. Not that the teams are daunting, but where they're going to play these games. Four of the next five games on the road. At Detroit, at Washington, uh, and then a home game at Dallas, at the Giants. That home game, of course, uh, the return of Sam Bradford. And right now, what's the undefeated Vikings? So uh, that's an interesting schedule. Four to five on the road is not never easy. And the home game the best of all those teams probably with the, uh, the Vikings coming in here. So what are you guys thinking about as, as this bye week comes and, and moving forward? Elliot, we'll start with you. Well, I'll let Mark talk about the bye week. But in terms of that next five, the, <laughs> those next five games, I mean, that, you're going to learn a lot about this team. I mean, obviously they'll play the Packers later in the season and the Seahawks later in the season. But, you know, if you lose those games, I don't think there's a lot of shame in those losses. Um, you know, obviously the Vikings are very good. Like I said earlier, as I was forced to admit, but you know you have two you have two division games coming up. The Lions team you probably should beat. So you know if the Eagles are serious about making the playoffs and serious about maybe you know winning a game in the playoffs, I think they need to go four and one, three and two in these next five games. You can't go two and three. I know you're out to three and zero, oh, but you need to show that you can beat the division teams. You need to show you can win the teams, beat teams you're supposed to, which they already have, and then you know compete with the Vikings. So. In terms of what, whether the bye week comes at a good time or not, I don't know. But those next five games, I think, will really tell us a lot about this team and how serious they are about making a playoff push. Mark, your thoughts as we move to a bye and then the uh, four out of five on the road afterwards? Well, you know, I, I just take them one game at a time. Joe. I, I'm not looking past uh, the bye week, to be honest. <laughs> I just want to get better every day in practice, you know, work hard. There you uh, go. You know, try to do it that way. The bye, I think the bye comes at a bad time, to be honest with you. I don't. I mean, you know, the schedule is what it is, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. But there's no way the Eagles would – the way they're playing right now, a week off is not what they want. They want to keep playing. Why Why would you want to buy when you just came off a 31-point win over the Pittsburgh Steelers? I want to play tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be off Tuesday. I want to go out and play. You know? Uh, so, yeah, but the, it is what it is. I mean, you can't – you know, the schedule came out months ago, and no one thought the Eagles were going to be 3-0. So, you know, you, you play your schedule. They – but, you know, come back Detroit, yeah, that's a game they should win, absolutely. But it's pro- other than Cleveland, it's the first time that we're saying, and, they, and let's be honest, there were people, there were a lot of people that weren't so sure they were going to beat Cleveland opening day, right? There was a, that lot, there was a little nerve-wracking, and oh, Cleveland coming in, we don't know. You know. So now, this is everything's different now. This is, the win over Pittsburgh turned everything upside down. And now the Eagles aren't the like no they're not sneaking up on anybody anymore now okay they're words out so they become the the hunted instead of the the hunters so like the Lions now are like looking to upset the Eagles you know what I'm saying so that changes the whole mentality it changes let's see how the Eagles now have to react to being the favorites instead of the underdog so that'll be interesting that's what I'm looking forward to see how how they handle being a team that's being talked about instead of a team in a, in a good light, instead of being a team talked about as, Oh, well, they're, they're not going to be that good They're rebuilding. They got a young quarterback, you know, sometimes that, that mentality of, of us against the world that works a lot of times with teams and they, and they rally around. Nobody thinks we're any good. Well now, and I don't know. I mean, I think this Eagles team has a good mentality. I don't think they're going to, I mean, they, they can't sit back and, and just read every, read all the press clippings and, you know, hear, hear Elliot telling them that they're great every day um, and let that get to them because that's how teams get in trouble too. 
Yeah, that would. Yeah, yeah. Elliot's articles can't seep in their heads, but uh, yeah. the, the Eagles have. They a all read out. You, you know, they're all reading Elliot. Of course, exactly. they all read NJ.com. Of course, they do. That's no, how they, they get. They, they get their news about what's going on in their own locker rooms. <laughs> um, so this is going to be a, obviously a fun two weeks. People are excited about this Eagles team, as they should be. Three and zero. They look great. We'll be back soon to talk about the Eagles. They're moving on to a bye, and then the Detroit Lions in a couple weeks. Uh, everyone, hope you enjoyed this show. We'll be back uh, for another episode. Uh, soon, and the Eagles will be back with an undefeated record by the time they take the field next, which uh, is amazing considering next time they take the field, uh, it will be the second weekend of October. Elliot, as always, thanks for doing this. Yep, talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Joe. Thanks to all of you for listening to episode 48 of the No Huddle Show. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, any way you want to listen. You can listen right here on NJ.com. <laughs>